podcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It Podcast with Brittany Page and Jesse Dallimore. Welcome to the show, everybody. Episode 740 of I Doubt It. I am your host, Jesse Dollimore, joined today by the lovely, the talented, the scholarly, Brittany Page. Well, it's been a week of celebrations around here, or the cel- we're in the middle of a week of celebrations. Listen, you need to slow your fucking roll right about uh, now, uh, because my birthday is not until tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's why I said in the middle of the week of celebration. Just because your birthday is long past on the 21st of June <laughs> does not mean yeah. that you can discount my the celebratory attitude that should be exhibited around this house at all times. <laughs> yeah. Until midnight okay. on Monday. Okay. Well, I celebrated my birthday by working 12 hours. It was <laughs> yeah, you did. Fantastic. And. <laughs> exactly what one needs on their birthday and and your birthday like you said is tomorrow so we are uh having a a week of celebrations we're gonna get a cake today it's gonna be so exciting yeah yeah very nice and our anniversary yes the 28th yep so that's what there's a a whole bunch of stuff going on that's what i mean a full week monday to monday just across the board celebration time is that like the first time that we've ever like officially talked about being a couple on the show like right up front right in its face uh no i think that there have been other conversations about Uh, that on the show it's just something we don't talk about a lot we don't talk about that a lot it's not germane it's not relevant but it was just i had a thought yeah we've certainly not talked about our anniversary being on the 28th no we have not (laughs) this episode brought to you by anniversaries everybody good times have my own (laughs) So uh, we're excited for that, excited for the continuing celebrations and for the the ability to get older. That is very... Wow. That is very exciting. How existential of you. Well, I don't know if that really Well, don't you feel lucky to be, have the opportunity to continue this thing called life? Yes. Yes, I do. No, I'm an ungrateful fuck, Brittany Page. (laughs) Well, let's give an update on Popeye because we've actually had several people reach out and say, hey, how is Popeye doing? Let's do that. And, you know, Popeye is doing very well. So we're about a month out from when we took him to the vet and he has his normal appetite, normal behavior. He's constantly begging for food like usual, constantly looking for snacks like usual and uh, constantly whining for pets. Just everything has continued. He is himself. Which is enormously frustrating for me because almost a month ago to the day, mm-hmm. we were waiting in the parking lot of a, of a vet's office, an emergency situation, mm-hmm. when they were discussing options to put him down that day. Right. Once they learned that the $20,000 quote they gave us was not something we were going to move forward with, they then immediately said, okay, well, then we can put him down today. And we both looked at each other crying and we're like, wait, what? what's happening right now? Because we, ha- we hadn't even seen like the x-ray. We didn't see yeah. the ultra. Like, 
It, also, we hadn't even seen the people face to face. We were talking to them on the phone in the parking lot. Not only that, the only reason we brought him in is because he has this weird gagging, gagging cough thing. Yeah. That still they haven't connected to the illness. Right. And we brought him in. The vet said his stomach felt a little tight or mm-hmm. the response or the muscles or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he suggested we x-ray. We're like, yeah, do that. Then they discovered what he thought was on his spleen, suggested we get the ultrasound. Then they discovered the baseball-sized mass on his liver. Mm-hmm. And then here we are. Right. But behaviorally, nothing has changed. He's yeah. He is as rambunctious and sorted and angry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Grumpy, let's say. Yeah. As he ever has been. Yeah, chronically aggrieved, we say. That is right. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so everybody should know things are great. We're still, there's kind of a low-grade anxiety around the house. And there is. At yeah. any moment, um, he could take a turn for the worse. Because that's what they said. They said that deaths in this case tend to be very sudden and so we're we're being mindful of that and we're we're watching his behavior i mean we're not going to keep him we're not going to keep him here for our comfort if he starts to exhibit signs of decline and if he's in pain and i mean that's that's not something that we're going to put him through so but but we are grateful that um cuz we thought I mean, we left the vet thinking that within the next week we would be losing him because they only yeah. gave us five days of medication. Like we just and they were, they were talking about putting him thing. down that day. So yeah. we we're like, oh, my God, it must be happening, you know, so soon. But luckily, he's just been normal. So, yeah, we're, we're soaking up all the time that uh, we have left. I, I fucking love that guy. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's amazing. He, he's laying in his studio bed right now. We're both staring at him. So <laughs> he has a studio bed. Well, he's got beds littered throughout the house. He does. Wherever he wants to lay, he can be comfortable. Because, I listen, I, I got a little bit of cushion, and I can't imagine just laying on the floor. Yeah. You know, you know, I would like a bed just in every every location in the house. Yeah. Or a big, overstuffed, comfy chair. It's kind of like how I feel like a lot of stores could benefit from having hot dog stands. <laughs> Like, every time I go to Best Buy, I'm like, why isn't there, why don't they sell hot dogs here? This is the perfect place to or sell Home hot dogs. Or Home Depot and Lowe's, like they do in Boise. I think that's yeah, why you think they that. They used to sell hot dogs at Home Depot. I would associate going to Home Depot it as not a miserable experience yeah, because I could enjoy a hot dog. And now it's miserable. Although it wasn't a, 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 a Home Depot-operated cart. It was a vendor who just would set up shop in between, you know, they got the doors on the left, the doors on the right. Right in between would be this cart yeah which is a great idea fantastic well we should move to new york city there's fucking hot dog <laughs> stands everywhere well i'm talking about wanting to have a hot dog place at different stores so that it makes it more enjoyable for me that i can have a snack while i'm being tortured at best buy you really are just like liz lemon you have a food-based outlook on life yeah, I it do. It surrounds the snacks. You know, it's interesting. Even as a kid, I would read books and I would be most interested when parts would come about food. Like I remember reading books about the Oregon Trail and just being so bored until they would talk about like the foods that they were eating. Really? Yeah. And I'm like, oh, I want to learn more about this. It's weird because although you grew up poor, you didn't, you didn't. Uh, Hello, poors. You, you didn't grow up like food insecure. No. But you're just... Also, like, the little assignment, you have, like, a book that you wrote, wrote in, like, first grade. Yep, yep. Where you talked about, I'm going to be a lawyer, and I'm going to eat steak and mashed potatoes. Like, it was... 
hand in hand with how you get around. Yeah. No, I thought you were going to talk about the other book that I wrote, which was called The Little Girl Who Ate Too Much. And the premise <laughs> the premise of the story was right. that I was on a journey and everywhere yeah. I stopped, I found a snack and I drew a giant can of 7-Up and like a, a donut. Like there were all these snacks that I found along the way. So anyway, it's it's been with me for quite some time. Who knew that Brittany Page was such a prolific food writer at such an early age. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what happened. Very funny. Yeah. Anyway, um, as we always do, we're going to start with listener communication. Um, we got a couple voicemails. We got an email that I want to read. Blizzard Fingers wrote in. Hmm. The great and powerful Blizzard Fingers. We should read that email. Longtime listener. Before we do, though, let's get to a voicemail. Dear daughter, Oh my god, what? (laughs) What are you doing? No, no. Uh, I was clearing the board and setting the clips for the show. That was first up, and I'm like, "Ah, I think I'm going to leave that and play it it as a voicemail. Oh my god. Just kidding, everybody. All right, here we go. Dear dog. (laughs) Will you stop? We're never going to trust you again. Uh, No, I'm not to be trusted. Anyway, uh, talking about Andrew Yang last time, uh, he was our asshole of today last episode. He he said that, uh, well, you know who else has rights? Non-mentally ill people. We have rights, too. Here's a, a call about that. Hey, Brittany and Jess. This is Roxanne in L.A. Um, this was in regards to your segment about Andrew Yang and how someone who supports UBI can be so cool towards the mentally ill and the homeless. Um, The more I started hearing about UBI during the election with um, Trump and Hillary Clinton, and I remember when Andrew Yang was running, you would hear a lot about UBI. And I remember Elon Musk talking about UBI, and I just thought it was suspicious. I was like, well, this sounds like a good idea on the surface, but this guy specifically, Musk, doesn't have the best track record in my mind when it comes to aiding other people who aren't rich. So the more I read into it, the more I saw that it was a you it was a libertarian talking point that if you support UBI, then you can use that as a stepping stone to get rid of um, government provided or funded programs to help people who need it, you know, welfare and um, I guess discounts or government discounts on buying your home or affordable housing and things like that. So I think UBI from someone like Andrew Yang is less about compassion and helping people and more about um, dispensing less money to other people. Thank you, Roxanne. Uh, I I don't know that I uh, totally agree with that assessment. However, I do think there is risk in the dispensation, the, uh, the dispensing with other social programs because because we have UBI in a future where we were to have UBI, I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, that would have to be, that's a policy question uh, as to how we structure some kind of a universal basic income model into, into existence. Mm-hmm. That would have to be done in the process of creating the system. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think Elon Musk is a dumb fuck and not to be respected. I think he's a... He's fabricated this mythos of himself. Uh, I also have been long kind of bothered by Andrew Yang, who, although he did like legitimately disavow 
had a, a, a lot of white supremacists on board with the Andrew Yang Yang gang thing, you know? Yeah. So that, that was, that's always questionable to me. Making like, me... What is it that's so uh, appealing? What is it that's so attractive to those types about him and his platform? Well, making the jokes about himself... Like, because he's Asian, he's good at math. Like, right, remember right. when he would do that on the debate stage? It's very time. uncomfortable. It's like, hey, white people feel comfortable with me. Yeah, yeah. Very weird. Um, But I, I've i heard what Roxanne is referencing. I, I have heard that. I, I can't remember specifics or who actually said it, but I have heard the argument that... If UBI goes into effect, then there there would be an effect on the number of people who are on government assistance. And so I have heard that as this is one of the reasons why you should support UBI. Now, I haven't heard them say, like, it will do away with government programs. Just, d- like, like refocusing resources, kind of like defund the police. It's... Sp- Putting money elsewhere in budgets. Yeah, yeah. That, that it would offset some of the cost. It would, more people would benefit from UBI and then not turn to government programs for things like food. Yeah, listen, on, on its face, well, just fundamentally, we're going to have to move toward a model that is UBI or UBI adjacent because automation is rapidly taking over in the workforce. Within five, seven years, we're... All long haul truck drivers will that'll be an automated self driving trucks. That's that's not like some science fictiony Jetsons future. That's <laughs> that's fucking happening right now. And all of those hundreds of thousands of jobs are going to have to be they're going to be displaced. All of those people, those lives are going to be disrupted. And when, fast food jobs, we're already seeing that. I mean, there are so many facets of our economy that are going to be, why are you smiling? Why do you have a fucking smirk on your face? Well, because I'm thinking of one of my favorite things on Twitter is when conservatives say, here's the future that you'll get when you raise the minimum wage to oh, $15. And, it's, and a, it's a picture of McDonald's like today, right, in right. present day with the kiosks. Well, or 2015. Yeah, where you can <laughs> where you can order yourself and there's not a person taking your order. And they're like, this is the future that you want, Democrats. And then yeah. they just get owned on Twitter left and right. It's one of my you, favorite things. I mean, th- this this picture from last week is the future. Yeah. That's, that's our future. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Or it was similar to what Donald Trump was doing. This is Biden's America. America yeah. of last week's uh, protests and right. dis- d- uh, disruptions in in cities all across the country. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's actually your America, dude. It's an interesting tactic. I don't know what they think, but maybe people aren't paying attention. Or... Well, their voter base isn't isn't too smart. Interesting. They're easily bamboozled. Interesting tactic. Interesting. Interesting, indeed. Anyway, Roxanne, thank you for the call. We appreciate your perspective very much. Moving on. Hey, Jesse. Hey, Brittany. My name is D, and I have a question for you. Have you ever had a friend that um, could be a colleague, friend you grow up with or whatever, right? You ever have a friend that asks you for $20? So you, you, you give it to them because you're happy to your friends. You trust them. You know, hey, here's 20 bucks, man. I know, you, I know you're going through some things, right? They, they, they promise you. They keep promising you, I'm going to get you back. As soon as I get paid, I'm going to get you back. And so then it comes time for payday. You go to them. You say, hey, you got the $20 you owe me? Nah, man, hey, I, hey, I, I will give it to you. But And then they got an excuse, right? Whatever the excuse is, gas in your car, another thing that came up. And that goes on for payday after payday, month after month after month. Well, that little scenario that I just gave you is exactly how I feel 
about the Democrats right now. Like, I just watched this story of this kid getting tased in the backyard because he's wearing all black, and they confuse him as a as a uh, a robber or something like that. Where's the George Floyd Act? People are struggling. Where's the ra- uh, the raising wages? It's like they run on these things, and they continuously promises. They continuously promises. If you come out and vote for us, we will fight for all these things and all these injustices. We'll protect Roe v. Wade. We'll protect women's rights. We'll protect LGBTQ rights. They keep promising us things over and over again. But then you get excuse after excuse after excuse. And all I want is my money. I want what you promised me. We delivered. You delivered. I'm getting sick of the parliamentarian filibuster mansion cinema. I'm getting tired of all these different excuses. And it's it's getting to the point where it's, it's like, why even give you my time? I, I don't even want to, I don't want to give you a ride to the store because you owe me that $20. You know, and we all know what that feels like. And I feel so I don't know it's like all these emotions as a black man in America I just I just don't understand how these people can stand there and now we're talking about critical race theory you know and and all these teachings of, of black history they don't even really teach black history and by extension since they don't uh, teach black history you got a whole bunch of people out there that'll tell me to co- go back where I came from and I was born here because they don't see me as American man I'm getting tired of being promised things and people not go- coming through with the promises I just want my $20 back you know I just want my money Brittany is the best part bye Love the show. Brittany's the best part. I, I, li- I like the metaphor. Mm-hmm. I want my $20 back. Mm-hmm. Uh, D, thank you for the call. Um, there's a lot there. I, I, I hesitate to, because it's not pushback, but I think we should stop calling it black history because I think it gives white people who are um, have calcified themselves against learning about the bad parts of American history it it, it, it it compartmentalizes that bad part of our history and what uh, white America has done to, to black Americans. And it makes it like, well, that's black history. I don't need to learn that. The things we're talking about are American history. It is the history of our nation, the history of the wrongs we've, we've committed, the terror, the horrors that have been committed at the hands of a white government. Um... And I mean, it's not like I'm I'm bitching and complaining. Oh, we stop calling it that. But I think it it serves to let a lot of white people off the hook, mm-hmm. who are now showing up at school meetings whining about critical race theory that they have no fucking idea what it actually is about. We're going to talk about that a lot today. Uh, as far as the Democrats not getting shit done, I couldn't agree more. It is it is frustrating. I mean, like student loan debt is has been on the table. It is something that Joe Biden can 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 deal with with a stroke of a pen. 
He can do it through executive action. He has admitted as such and has not done it. We hear constantly, oh, they've only been in office for, for a month. Give them some time. It comes up again. Oh, well, they've only been around for three months. Give them some time. Here we are six, seven months in. Well, it's only six or seven months in. Give them some time. When the fuck are we going to be able to count on something actually getting done? Well, and moving away from this emphasis on bipartisanship and being able to work with Republicans and how we need people to be in agreement before we take these steps and move forward. Because that's a fantasy. Republicans are not going to, which was just proven with the voting rights thing. Yeah, I mean, that would be great. Um, that would be great if that would happen. But it's it's not happening. And it hasn't happened. And in fact, the parties are growing more polarized. And I don't know if they're romanticizing this notion about being able to like sit down at a long table and have a conversation based on facts and uh, right. bring each other together for more understanding. But that's, that's not happening. Yeah, it, it is. It is exceedingly frustrating. And I wish uh, Democrats in leadership would uh, get their shit together and actually make something happen. Because what they're doing is setting themselves up for losses in the future because of a disaffected, um, discouraged electorate like D. Mm-hmm. We need D's vote. America needs D's vote. Mm-hmm. And if he gets disheartened and walks away from the process, there are millions of D's. Right. All over the country who are feeling just like him. For sure. Thank you, Dee, for the, the voicemail. We, uh, we appreciate it very much. So we have an email, like you said, from Blizzard Fingers. Hey, guys. Hope all is well with the family. Praying for Popeye. I was on Twitter when I saw Pat Robertson's little soliloquy on critical race theory, CRT. I'm at odds on my feelings about this. On one hand, I'm glad that the bigots slash racists like he and people like Tucker Carlson are really outing themselves and their seriously outlandish and racist views. But on the other hand, is it making white supremacy slash nationalism a more mainstream level of comfort, therefore giving others a reason to feel okay about their own bigotry? If we look at history, this seems very familiar to the way things went back in the civil rights movement days. We have DeSantis in Florida running amok, writing crazy bills, and the media not pointing out the fact that almost every piece of legislation DeSantis has done has something to do with race, from voter suppression bills all the way to going after protesters. Like to know what you guys think. Love you guys. Be genuine and take care of one another, especially Popeye. Here's to still hoping little Tucker Carlson answers your challenge to a boxing match. I'm sure you're even more fired up after what he said about General Milley. Blizzard fingers. Well, thank you very much. Um, I am a little fired up. I'm. I may or may not scream a lot, just in private life. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, that boxing match that is not happening. That come on. I wouldn't say he doesn't know who I am, but he's certainly not going to acknowledge my existence. Mm-hmm. Um, man, a lot there. The critic. It is interesting. The the DeSantis thing. Because remember when he said that Andrew Gillum was going to monkey up the state? His black opponent was going to monkey up the state. Right. And uh, then, oh, I'm not a racist. I'm not a racist. I'm not a racist. And then all of the legislation we're seeing come out of Florida states otherwise. Right. Yes. It is now a systematic um, entrenchment of racist policies. 
Yeah, well, and he he just signed legislation this week that will require public universities and colleges to survey students, faculty, and staff about their beliefs and viewpoints to support, quote-unquote, intellectual diversity. So registering party affiliation with the state. That doesn't sound dystopian at all, does it? Well, and according to reporting from the Tampa Bay Times, the survey will discern the extent to which competing ideas and perspectives are presented in public universities and colleges and seeks to find whether students, faculty and staff, quote, feel free to express beliefs and viewpoints on campus and in the classroom. Uh, It does not specify what will be done with the survey results, which is always great. And um, (laughs) DeSantis and Senator Ray Rodriguez, the sponsor of the bill, suggested on Tuesday that budget cuts could be looming if universities and colleges are found to be, quote, indoctrinating students. Right. Which is a very nebulous term, especially from the conservative perspective. Mm hmm. Um, there, there is another element to what Blizzard Fingers was talking about. I wish I knew Blizzard Fingers' name because I feel very weird continuing to say <laughs> Blizzard Fingers over and over. Well, that's the sign off, so you have to go with the sign off. I know. Want. Yeah. I call him B Fingers. <laughs> um, is is the only pushback I would have is that his his concerns about whether or not we should be still pursuing to teach critical race theory or address it or or make it go away because racists are now running away with it. And um, we, you should never shy away from the truth because of what negative group is going to, 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 to choose to do with the truth. We can't stop talking about c- climate change because there are deniers out there who are going to politicize it and make money off of it and try to create a movement around it. Well, I may be understanding Blizzard Finger's point differently than you did because I took it to mean like it's good on the one hand, he thinks it's good that Tucker Carlson and others are making their bigotry known. However, he fears that the way that they're speaking about these issues is going to embolden white supremacists and white nationalists hmm. to be more open about their own bigoted beliefs because now they're seeing those talking points on Fox News on the highest rated show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and that's kind of what I thought the point was that he was making. It is it is it is interesting to me that these are these pernicious ideas being floated by the right right now are absolutely being mainstreamed and they are dangerous ideas that used to be hush hush and secret and you can't let them know what we really think we're going to use dog whistles and that's just all gone now and i think that's a in large part um due to donald trump well, yeah, you remember when he he had the the directive that federal agencies cease and desist from using taxpayer dollars to teach about things like critical race theory or white privilege and identify mm-hmm. any kind of training or yeah. they called it propaganda effort that was <laughs> right. being used or indoctrination. Those are the words they're using. Yeah. And they said uh, any kind of training or teaching that suggests that the United States is inherently racist or evil or that any race or ethnicity is inherently racist or evil. And this is obviously obscuring what the teaching is, but it's also, I mean, straight out of my white supremacist upbringing, where we were taught that we were viewed as blue-eyed devils, like that is how people of color saw white people, we're blue-eyed devils, we're inherently evil, and that 
<laughs> that's what they yeah. believe is being taught now. Yeah. Like the Trump administration is like, this needs to stop being taught. We are not, in fact, blue-eyed devils. <laughs> so, so really, I mean, the, the, what Tucker Carlson talks about on an almost nightly basis are the things that were talked about privately in your Hitler-loving, racist, white supremacist home. For sure. It's very strange to me to see the thing that was... I mean, I understand there's a difference between like the swastika flag being flown outside my house. Yeah. You know, that was when my dad was living with us. Once he moved, it become it became more of a hush hush thing where my mom would be racist at home and want us to have certain beliefs. But then when we went out in, out in public, it was we know that that's not something that ordinary people believe. Yeah, yeah. And in order to like continue to have support so we can pay our bills, like we need to kind of like keep that. Yeah, you mean leeching off the church. That's one way to phrase it. <laughs> and <laughs> uh it, but then it's weird for me to hey, see Hey, Mark Trailer, how are you doing, buddy? <laughs> it's it's weird for me to see those those talking points now be mainstream, like you said. I mean that Tucker Carlson is saying these things. Um it's very strange because I grew up being yeah. hush, hush, hide it. Let's not talk about it in the open. And here we are. Yeah. It, it, it's very strange to me. And th- But I also want to say about the Ron DeSantis thing. So part of this legislation, he said, quote, it used to be thought that a university campus was a place where you'd be exposed to a lot of different ideas. Unfortunately, now the norm is these are more intellectually repressive environments. You have orthodoxies that are promoted and other viewpoints that are shunned or even suppressed. Mm-hmm. And what's interesting about this is they're supposed to be like champions of free speech and the best idea wins out and um, no snowflakes allowed. Right. But then they want their kids to not be in a situation where they're being told things that make them feel uncomfortable or that that don't jive with what they've been taught all their lives in their fundamentalist christian households right like they want they want intellectual safe spaces is what they want exactly and i I mean don't you want to teach your kids how to engage with different types of ideas i mean isn't that what you believe when it comes to free speech that the best idea wins out and your kids should be able to engage with those ideas and argue with those ideas even if it means to 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 learn how to argue your position Right. It's a good thing. Right. Yeah. But apparently not. Apparently it's scary. Yeah. And it needs to be quieted. Yeah. Who's monkeying up the state now, Ron DeSantis? Oh, God. Asshole. Fucking helmet head freak. Seriously, the hair. What is with Republican politicians? They've just taken the page out of the televangelist playbook and like, oh, you got to look like a freak? Okay, what what haircut do you want? Oh, you want the Benny Hen? Perfect. All right, Ron DeSantis. <laughs> well, oh, what do you want? Oh, you want the whatever the, the you want the Tammy Faye Baker? All right, Matt Gates, you got it. You know, yeah, right? Well, you you were telling me that you went and looked at like Matt Gates's original photo when, yeah, when he, he was sworn elected. in. Yeah, because I told you recently he went through some sort of like personal stylist situation. I don't know if that's what happens, but like he hired someone to come in and create a new look for him. Yeah. Because he looks completely different, even than he did just a few years ago. I don't know when the change happened, but he he came out looking completely different after there, this interaction with a personal stylist there's or whoever. Certainly, there's certainly a Matt Gates in an alternate universe that is like the lead singer of a fucking rockabilly band, you know? <laughs> the goddamn pompadour and the greasy bullshit and the rolled-up jeans, the cut-off white T-shirt or the... With cigarettes rolled up in the sleeve. He's like extra on grease. Yeah. Uh. Dipshits. 
Anyway, we're going to talk about critical race theory a little bit. We're going to talk about Pat Robertson. We're going to talk about what General Milley said. But we're going to do it on the other side of these messages. I doubt it is a listener-supported podcast. Support comes from our most loyal, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners just like you via Patreon. Your support on Patreon for as little as $2 a month would help keep the conversation moving forward one podcast at a time. If you have a few dollars to spare each month, we invite you to help produce the show by joining the Patreon family. Please visit patreon.com slash podcast. We would like to thank Joy H. Joy H. Joy H is the latest Patreon supporter. We are grateful for each and every one of our Patreon supporters, as well as those of you who take the time to listen to the show, send us feedback. We really appreciate and read every single one of the messages and emails that we are sent, as well as the voice memos and voicemails. So please put the information in your phone so that you are able to, when you hear something on the show, just take out your phone and call us 657-464-7609 or I doubt it at dollamore.com. We are having our monthly Patreon hangout today. Actually, we're recording this. It's going to be later. So I don't know if you are going to hear this and have enough time. You'd to... have to be a real diehard to jump on listening yeah. and to get this deep in. The call's already happening by the time you're listening to this. Yeah. So, <laughs> so just make sure that you are planning for the Patreon Hangouts, which uh, is every last Saturday of the month, the final Saturday of the month and uh, 11 a.m. Pacific time, our time. As always, we appreciate you. We love you. Thank you for engaging with the show. Thank you for subscri- being subscribed. Thanks for telling a friend. Thanks for rating and reviewing. Thanks for doing all the things surrounding the things that you do around the thing that we do. Stalemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. So talking about critical race theory, it has really um, become the topic du jour. It is the what is fashionable for conservatives to go after in the latest version of whatever culture war that they are holding up. And um, we want to talk about it today because it is it's like there's not one single conservative that I can think of like the. The closest that I've heard anybody come to even describing it would be Ted Cruz, and he blew it. Like he didn't even come close. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's talk about why Americans are so divided right now. We know why, but the fact that they are divided over critical race theory. Next year, Jameson Maddox will be a senior here in Loudoun County, Virginia. His favorite subject is history, even though he felt black history was lacking. I think there could be some things that uh, happened in history that should have been taught. In school, do you did you learn about the Tulsa massacre? No. Did you learn about Juneteenth? No. Do you feel like those are things that should be taught as part yeah, of your formal yes, education? Yes, definitely. Definitely. But, Jameson's uh, mother, yeah. Vanessa, agrees. Uh, this is American history. Oh, there it All is. All of it should be taught in a certain context and also age appropriate. Maddox, who works as a job recruiter, and her husband raised both their sons in this affluent northern Virginia suburb over the last two decades. Last year, as the national racial reckoning resonated here, Vanessa joined a Facebook group pushing what they see as anti-racism efforts in school. When I saw the anti-racist parent group, I'm like, okay, I got to be in that. What spurred you to join that group in the first place? What has that been like? 
There is a definite need for a group like this. I like to be surrounded by like-minded, fair-minded, equitable people. You don't have to think like me, you don't have to be like me, but you do have to be anti-racist. Not everyone in Loudoun County sees it that way. And there were parents that were just sick of it. They were just sick of, you know, constantly being told, if you don't agree with me, then, you know, you're a racist. Ian Pryor's two daughters are in elementary school here. He's a former Trump administration Justice Department spokesman, now leading a group called Fight for Schools, a political action committee pushing back on equity and inclusion measures. We're not about not teaching history. We're about teaching history in an objective way that is not represented as America is systemically racist. When you're looking not at individual acts of racism, but the systemic racism that exists within America's educational institutions, what would you suggest be done right now? So there's a balancing act here of making sure that you know, there's equal opportunity for all, that we're committed to meritocracy, but also that you know, when we are trying to, to figure out how to deal with any kind of social problems, we do not overstep and overreact. Parents who agree with Pryor are now part of a growing chorus opposing what's known as critical race theory, or CRT, often a graduate-level framework that examines how the legacy of slavery and segregation in America is embedded in legal systems and policies. The thing is, critical race theory isn't being taught here, but that didn't stop dozens of parents from flooding a recent school board meeting to protest it. The critical race theory has its roots in cultural Marxism. It should have no place in our schools. I will do everything I possibly can to fight to the bitter end until you prove to me that you are not teaching my children that they are racist just because they're white. That outrage echoes messaging ricocheting across right-wing media. Critical race theory is racist. I don't see critical theory, race theory, in our Declaration of Independence. Much of this can be traced back to a September 2020 directive by then-President Trump, instructing agencies to identify and halt funding of anti-bias training for federal employees that suggests, quote, the United States is an inherently racist or evil country. On his first day in office, President Biden used an executive order to revoke the Trump administration's action. When I hear the talk of critical race theory, I immediately get a signal as an alarming system for me because it, it um, it's, a mis- it's a misrepresentation and misuse of the word. Jalea Lyles Dunn is the director of Learning for Justice, which offers resources for teachers to create anti-bias learning experiences. Culturally relevant, anti-racist um, instruction models needed. We need a classroom set up, so not just instruction, but we also need a space that lets children know you are welcome here. An inclusive education is a space where we all are at the table together. We all hear everyone's story. We- the debate over which stories are included and how they're taught has fueled pushback. Critical race theory is now being leveraged as a catch-all phrase by opponents of equity and inclusion efforts in public education. So the the Trump guy that talked there, the the third person that was being interviewed, the Justice Department spokesman, yeah, he, former former, yeah, he <laughs> he made a comment that um, parents are sick of hearing, if you don't agree with me, you're racist. And I always wish that there was a follow-up question like, okay, can we can we talk about that? I just want to hear more about the instances that you're being called a racist and you're right. frustrated by that. Like what what conversation was happening and what what was said? What did you say? 
Well, I, I think the dollars to donuts, he's never been called racist in a conversation. He's just fabricating the instances of being accused of being a racist. Yeah, it's almost like this. I'm I'm so sick of being called a racist has become an argument that people are like, oh, yes, it's very bad to be called that rather than thinking, well, like, what are you saying or doing that is like provoking that reaction from people? If it actually is happening, I don't think it's happening, but certainly if it is happening a lot, you should be reflective. Yeah. And uh, yeah. what is it about me that everyone thinks I'm racist? Oh, I'm so sick of being called a racist. Like, um, Calm down, Adolf. Red Calm flag. Down. Red flag. Right? Yeah. It's being told yeah. to you with enough regularity that you're sick of hearing it. And you're like, oh, everyone else must be the problem. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, it's interesting. I'm glad uh, that that NPR uh, disclosed his former position and the fact that he leads now an organization. PBS. PBS sorry, fuck, I always do that. Um, that. That he leads an organization now in opposition to critical race theory. Yeah. A lot of times they Fox News never does that. They act like, oh, this is just a panel of parents. <laughs> and then they don't disclose that one side absolutely has skin in the game. Yeah, did you love the guy who wants the the board to prove a negative? Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, my fight will never end until you prove to me you're not teaching my children this in Loudoun County where it's not being taught, they oh, said. Oh, my God. It was a shit show. People got arrested. They yeah. got kicked out of this meeting, the school board meeting, yeah. because it just flew off the rails because of these ding-dongs. Yeah. It's not being taught there. And even if it was... It doesn't need to to erupt into insanity at a school board meeting. Well, and this is what I mean. Like, I was so embarrassed when my parents took me out of the classroom and, and I had to sit in the hallway while my entire class learned about the history of Native Americans in this country. Yeah. And, like, those were moments that were embarrassing to me because I felt very like alone. I mean, I'm not yeah. I'm not asking people to feel bad for me because I was like this white supremacist kid, but like I it was something that was embarrassing to be singled out and like I have to sit in the hallway because my parents are racist, like this is awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But now it's all these parents are showing up making the same argument. Like I don't want my kids learning this. I don't want them learning this. Yeah, the the reason is is because all they listen to is the cacophony of of bullshit from the right, whether it be Tucker Carlson or the idiots on on Newsmax who are misrepresenting what critical race theory is. Listen, listen to this. I mean, uh, goddamn, <laughs> Pat Robertson, who apparently is still alive. Yeah, he's very the impressive. devil devil incarnate. Because oh, here we go. It's been so long that we've talked about Pat Robertson that I, I forgot that I even had the drop for Pat Robertson. Mm -hmm. Pat Robertson here really... 91. Laying it out. He serious, just, just a saggy bag of skin draped over bones at this point. Um, listen to him. Be very honest and earnest in his description of what critical race theory is. What is it that the people of color have been oppressed by the white people... And the white people begin Wait. to be racist by the time they're uh, two or three months old. What? And they're, they, therefore, the people of color have to rise up and 
overtake their oppressors, and then, having gotten the whip handle, if I can use that term, then to instruct their white neighbors how to behave. Now that's critical race theory. <laughs> why? Why would he? Why would he invoke uh, the whip handle? Is that? Yeah. I thought that slaves were treated charitably and wonderfully in 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 the South in America. Yeah. I mean, according to Bill O'Reilly, that's what I heard. Yeah. Why would there need be need for a whip? I I, I don't understand. Yeah. Pat Robertson. Why Why would he be afraid uh, that white people are going to be treated poorly? It, it's like there's a bit that Louis C.K. did about fucking around with a time machine. Right. Was, no, like a black guy is like, I, I no, I can't fuck around with it. No, anything before 1980 is fucking no good. Yeah. yeah. You know, mm-hmm. he, and then he talks about white people that, you know, in the future, mm-hmm. we can go at any time in the past, but not the future because they're going to hold us down and fuck us in the ass forever. Uh, quote, unquote, Louis C.K. Quote, unquote, Louis C.K. Yeah. And look, one, we're building a world that is inclusive. It's not like. Once white people lose supremacy in this country, that we're going to be second class citizens. I mean, that's the fear. And the reason that's the fear is because that is what we have afflicted upon people of color in this country for hundreds of years. Yes. Well, and this is, again, part going back to Blizzard Fingers email, um, the concern that this is becoming mainstream. I mean, this is race war shit. Yes. That Pat Robertson is talking about on his program. I mean, I don't know how many people watch it. You know all point. those those racist two and three month old kids. I <laughs> I know it's it's like when they say that uh, having your baby listen to classical music makes them smarter. He like thinks that critical race theory lectures are being turned on for infants so that they can be indoctrinated. You just put the headphones on your belly. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! But I mean, we laugh at it and think it's absurd. And some people listen to this and are genuinely fearful. Yeah. Well, it's the same people who listen to him say that gays are going to give you the stuff with the ring that they have that has a barb on it that they can cut you and then they'll give you the stuff. I wish I had that clip. I mean, seriously, these people are not to be taken seriously in any manner. And here we are. They are creating the narrative for conservatives all over the country about what critical race theory is rather than them tuning into somewhere that is actually authoritative mm-hmm. like L- Mark Lamont Hill that we talked about last time. Yeah. Well, and going back to my point about Blizzard Fingers email, the fact that these are becoming mainstream talking points rather than just talking points within white supremacist, white power ideologies. It, it's very concerning. I mean, to say the least, it is terrifying that we are now in a place where conservatives, I mean, you want to talk about indoctrination. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, that this is going to become more mainstream over time, given how much this is now being talked about. Well, Tucker Carlson is chief among them. I mean, he has the most powerful, most popular uh, cable news show on TV. News, right. I'm saying that tongue in cheek. Yeah. But I, I mean... He dominates. It's the most popular show that Fox News has ever had. Way more popular than Hannity ever has been. Far more popular than even O'Reilly. Tucker Carlson holds that. And he is now the the tip of the spear, the white supremacist talking point spear for normalizing these concepts. So he attacked General Milley the other day, Thursday night. 
And um, I want to play first what General Milley said in a congressional hearing about being open to teaching critical race theory and not being afraid of it. The military is not afraid to to look into to to teaching critical race theory. Mr. Chair, and thank you, gentlemen, for joining us today. I know my time is very precious, but I would like to yield some of my time to General Milley because I know that he had some comments that he wanted to make when Representative Gates was talking, as well uh, as Mr. Waltz, about a similar subject of the stand-down and, and race theory. Would you like a minute or so to comment on that? Do you remember what we were, what your line of questioning or thought was there? Um, sure. Um, first of all, on the issue of critical race theory, et cetera, I'll, I'll obviously have to get much smarter on whatever the theory is. Um, but I do think it's important, actually, uh, for those of us in uniform to be open-minded and be widely read. And the United States Military Academy is a university. Uh, and it is important that we train and we understand. Uh, and I, I want to understand white rage. And I'm white. And I want to understand it. So what is it that caused thousands of people to assault this building and try to overturn the Constitution of the United States of America. What caused that? I want to find that out. I want to maintain an open mind here, and I do want to analyze it. It's important that we understand that, because our soldiers, sailors, airmen, Marines, and Guardians, they come from the American people. So it is important that the leaders, now and in the future, do understand it. I've read Mao Zedong. I've read, I've read Karl Marx. I've read Lenin. That doesn't make me a communist. So what is wrong? with understanding, having some situational understanding about the country for which we are here to defend. And I personally find it offensive that we are accusing the United States military, our general officers, our commissioned, non-commissioned officers of being, quote, woke or something else because we're studying some theories that are out there. That was started at Harvard Law School years ago, and it proposed that there were laws in the United States, anti-bellum laws prior to the Civil War, that led to uh, a power differential with African Americans that were three-quarters of a human being when this country was formed. And then we had a civil war and emancipation proclamation to change it. And we brought it up to the Civil Rights Act in 1964. It took another 100 years to change that. So look it, I do want to know. And I respect your service, and you and I are both Green Berets. But I want to know. And it matters to our military and the discipline and cohesion of this military. And I thank you for the opportunity to make a comment on that. Thank you, General. Uh, change and so you'd walk away from this thinking, wow, this has to convince some people. Yeah. Hearing a top United States general. The top. He's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs. The top yeah. United States general speak with such passion on this issue that that may have some sway in the yeah. hearts of conservatives oh, on no. this issue. You would think that. You know, support the troops and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. The flag, the, the you know, patriotism. Yeah. Independence Day. <laughs> I don't know what song I was going to do. Uh, anyway, so here's... To, well, first of all, let me say this about General Milley. I don't believe General Milley should be in his position right now. I think he should have resigned after the assault on the peaceful protesters a block away from the from the White House in Jackson Square. Uh, I believe that. I think that when you're in that position, a mistake like that, uh, there needs to be consequence. It doesn't mean his career is over. It doesn't mean we take away his pension. But I don't think he should be there. I think Biden should have replaced him on day one hmm. because it was irresponsible for a military member to make that march across the street and stand there with Donald Trump, who's holding a Bible after assaulting peaceful protesters, gassing 
peaceful Americans exercising their right to to assemble. Mm-hmm. So having said that, we are where we are. He is who he is. He went to Princeton. He went to the Naval War College. He went to Columbia University for one of his master's degrees. He's no dummy. Here is Tucker Carlson in two separate clips talking about General Milley and this very moment that we just listened to. Mark Milley is the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. He didn't get that job because he's brilliant or because he's brave or because the people who know him (laughs) respect him. He is not, and they definitely don't. Milley got the job because he is obsequious. Mm. He knows who to suck up to, and he's more than happy to do it. Mm. Feed him a script, and he will read it. Here's Milley yesterday, the man in charge of this nation's weapons, explaining that he's working to understand a concept called white rage. I do. And then we just listened to the clip. But he, what, what's a interesting? A concept what, called white rage. A concept that doesn't exist, right? <laughs> so here, here's here's what's interesting is um, the guy who's literally reading a fucking script is maligning someone who spoke extemporaneously for two minutes about the teaching <laughs> of critical race theory. Yeah. Also, and we're going to get into it, about Tucker Carlson claiming that what is white rage? What even is that? That's not a thing. Ugh, fucking. Uh, he's obsequious. He's not. He's he's a coward. He's not brave. He he only got his job because he's a suck up. Well, Donald Trump gave him the job. A lot of projection. A lot of projection. But Donald Trump appointed him. He's not a Biden appointee. Anyway, clip number two. Now and in the future, do understand it. Hard to believe that man wears a uniform. He's that unimpressive. Notice he never defined white rage, and we should know what it is. What is white rage? Well, like drapedomania, it's one of those diseases that only affect people with certain melanin levels. It's a race-specific illness. That's what Mark Milley has learned from reading about it. That's why he's making his soldiers read about it, too. They need to know. Watch. I've read Mao Zedong. I've read, I've read Karl Marx. I've read Lenin. That doesn't make me a communist. So what is wrong with understanding, having some situational understanding about the country for which we are here to defend? And I personally find it offensive that we are accusing the United States military, our general officers, our commissioned, non-commissioned officers of being, quote, woke. <laughs> he's not just a pig. He's stupid. So Mark Milley reads Mao to understand Maoism. He reads communists to understand communism. But it's interesting that he doesn't read white supremacists to understand white supremacy. Why not go to the source? Well, because Mark Milley would be fired instantly if he read those books. And getting fired is the one thing he doesn't want. So he reads about white rage as if it's totally real. It's a medical condition. (laughs) And by the way... Since it's a medical condition, at what age can you catch white rage, by the way? Most of us assumed that our two-year-olds were just teething. Now we know it's their whiteness that's making them so angry. The, the straw manning is just, it is just next level. I also love how he's flat out. Like, why isn't General Milley reading Mein Kampf? Right. I mean, you need to, everyone should really yeah. go out and read Mein Kampf themselves. <laughs> Advocating and, for it, and then we can move forward with our assessment on these ideas. Which okay? is also you, you would listen. You got to compare all sides. You got to listen to all sides. Right. It's a marketplace of ideas. Everybody. He isn't even meeting with white supremacists 
to learn about what the actual tenets of white supremacy are. Well, what's interesting about it um, is that he has claimed for years that their white supremacy and white supremacists don't exist. It's not a real thing. Even though the FBI has said it's the number one domestic terrorist threat in America is white supremacy. Remember, a, a, a year, maybe a year and a half or so ago, two years ago, he said that. But now, all of a sudden, well... Why aren't you reading white supremacist right. text? Well, which is it, Tucker? <laughs> oh. You fucking mook. Wow. I mean, I can't believe he went there. Also, what is white rage? This fake thing called white rage. Did you watch January 6th and the loss of life at the attempted insurrection at the U.S. Capitol? That, my friend, is white rage. Donald Trump has facilitated... He is brought out into the open and allowed to exist in, in daylight. White rage. Right. White supremacist um, ideals that are now being taught openly and spoken about openly by private citizens at school board meetings. To, to claim that white rage isn't a thing is... Again, giving cover for assholes to say that white supremacy doesn't exist. Right. <sighs> Terrifying where we are. It is. I, listen, I, everyone knows me to be positive, optimist guy. We are in a very, very dangerous spot in our history right now with, with democracy being on on trial, whether or not we're going to move forward with, with the kind of country we want or whether it's going to turn into some dystopic, and I'm not being hyperbolic, some kind of a version of that fucking show on Hulu, um, Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> I mean, I know it sounds insane, mm -hmm. but it's only we're only a few steps away from that kind of nonsense. They want a, 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 an authoritarian theocracy. That's what they want. They want gays to have zero rights. They want transgender people to not even fucking exist. This is, this is the America that they want. And if we don't stay involved, and this is for you, D, voicemailer, if we don't stay involved, it's not just losing our country. It could very well be a replay of what we saw in the 30s and 40s fascists, people losing their lives. I know it sounds extreme. I don't believe it to be. Anyway, we'd love to know what you think about these and all other topics. 657-464-7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. It's the asshole of today. United States Senator Sheldon Whitehouse. What what happened? I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I took an extra breath and uh, there was a, a delay. Anyway, it's fine. You didn't need to highlight it, but now we're here. So uh, it has been highlighted. Senator White noted. Senator Whitehouse belongs to a club. Uh, that is all white 
rum- rumored to be all white. There are accusations that it is all white. Chill. And he was questioned about this. And uh, his response was uh, not good. Okay, back in 2017, you had expressed concerns about the membership of the All White Bailey Speech Club, said that you hoped it would become more diverse. Now, your family's been members. Your wife is one of the largest shareholders. Has there been any traction in that? Are there any minority members of the club now? I think the people who are running the place are still working on that. I'm sorry it hasn't happened yet. Um, Do you have concerns in 2021? I mean, obviously, it's been four years. You have remarks on the floor following the deaths of Breonna Taylor George Floyd saying, you know, hoping to root out systemic racism in the country. Um, Your thoughts on an elite, all-white, wealthy club, again, in this day and age, um, you know, should these clubs continue to exist? It's a long tradition in Rhode Island, and there are many of them. Uh, I think we just need to work our way through the issues. Thank you. What do you think about this? Well, listen, racism has been around for a long time. It's a long tradition, everybody. We just got to... Just look the other way. Let me uh, get some time here to walk away while I'm trying to scramble from your question. This is a Democrat. And this is disgusting. And it bothers me that there's not enough play about this. There's not enough talk about this. This is a big issue. And along, you know, this is the the, the Caller D episode. This He's using the same strategy that Democrats use relative to policy. Well, you know, it's only been four years. Well, let's see how this how this works out. There's there's work being done. We're trying to get progress made. Well, when is it going to come, Sheldon Whitehouse, and your all white country club? Get the fuck out of here. Yeah, I I, I mean, <laughs> it's 2021, and Democrat, 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 which yeah. is important to highlight here because oftentimes people will think, oh, people in my political party are on the right side of things. No. I mean, and he's arguing from tradition. You heard that, right? Yeah, yeah. That, oh, well, this is how things have always been, and this is a long-standing tradition. Oh, okay. Right. Great. That really explains it. Thank you for that explanation. That's great. <laughs> it, it is disgusting, and uh, that he needs to be held accountable on this. And I hope that the, 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 the citizens of Rhode Island, I hope, I, I don't know when he's up for re-election, but I hope that he um, gets primaried because... Do do non-racists have membership in all white clubs? I mean... And defend it as though it's just a tradition yeah. and has been going on for a long time, so it's fine. Yeah, very, very worthy of asshole of today. Democrat Sheldon Whitehouse, senator for the state of Rhode Island. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, again, we'd love to know what you think. 657 464 7609. Of course, you can email a voice memo from your smartphone to I doubt it at dollamore.com. Uh, as you can tell by my my increasingly rapid pace in speaking, we are ending the show right now. And just as a quick sign off, All we don't right. need to talk about it anymore, but I just want to say that uh, Justin Stephen Breyer should retire and we'll leave it at that. And I'm um, putting that out into the universe. Retire. Okay. And the show is done. We will talk about that next time. Yeah. That was going to be for today. And I. I forgot. (laughs) Anyway, we love you guys. Thank you for all of your support. Thank you for listening. Thank you for engaging with our content. Uh, We'd love to see you online. Follow us on the Twitter. Follow us on the Facebook. We'll see you. Until we do, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It.